This is the Church Planting Podcast, brought to you by the Broadcast Network. Broadcast exists to support, train and encourage church planters. For more information about who we are or about the training that we offer, please visit our website at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org. Well, welcome to the Broadcast Podcast. Uh, if Tom O'Toole was doing this podcast, he would tell you the exact number of podcasts is but it's me tim simmons and i can't count so i have no idea whatsoever um but today i am with uh phil whittle who is an old friend of mine who is part of the new frontiers family of churches uh in particularly in relational mission which is uh, his part of new frontiers and uh, we have known each other for i think 15 to 20 years and um, I bumped into Phil at a youth event called New Day uh, when he was planting a church into Shrewsbury, uh, into a, um, kind of a quite a rough estate in Shrewsbury, if I remember rightly, and has since planted and is now leading a church in Stockholm, um, which is fascinating to me. And Phil has a very interesting journey in terms of cross-cultural mission and planting into cities and um, he likes to read books and think about stuff as well. So I, I think he's a fascinating guy who's got, uh, with his family, boots on the ground, working really hard um, to see the kingdom of God move forward. Uh, and these are people that fascinate us on broadcast. So I've wanted to talk to Phil for a while and record it and put it out in public for uh, the rest of the earth to listen to. So Phil, thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me, Tim. No, you're welcome. Um, so just to start us off, tell us a little bit about the church plant in Shrewsbury and what made you decide to leave quite a nice, leafy English town to head off to Stockholm. Yeah, so yeah, Shrewsbury is a nice, leafy uh, town, very kind of attractive centre and stuff. But the area where I was planting is, was less leafy. Um, it would be in the bottom third so not it doesn't really compare to kind of you know sort of estates in the cities of Manchester Birmingham London it doesn't you know it's not it didn't have that sort of level but for its air relative to where it was it's bottom third in the country and is the area part of town where I grew up and um was just it's you know it's working class white working class estate um with kind of low aspirations a lot of time at schools and um and I, I to be honest I you know I didn't I didn't particularly initially want to plant there but um uh, or be there to be honest um I grew up there and was keener to leave than I was to stay but um I I'd sort of my my kind of deal with God was is I'll, I'll do whatever you ask me to do so so when when I was asked, would I plant a church there? And I had other things that I that I wanted to do, but this was something that was being asked of me. And I just kind of felt actually it was behind the ask from the church was the ask of God. And I and I sort of said, well, I'll do whatever you ask me, even if I don't particularly find it easy or comfortable, hmm. um, I'll do it. So um, kind of, and with we kind of got it off the ground and been doing it for about eight years and it got to the place where it was about, I don't know, sort of 50, 60 sort of people-ish, something, something like that. Um, and it had been about eight years or so. And I just got, I got a few people asking me, would I consider planting other places? 
um, or would I consider taking on churches in the sort of in the region or sort of moving, you know, basically kind of taking on established thing and helping it on or, or planting again. And, and I hadn't really particularly thought about that. Um, but as we considered, you know, we sort of took those offers in good faith, looked at them and um, we just didn't feel any of those things were kind of right for us. Um, but as we did that, as you have that conversation, oh, we wouldn't, well, we're not, we don't feel like we would move there. So the, the obvious question is, where would we move? Um, and so in the, this happened like, I don't know, three, four times. We've got these kind of offers and, and requests. And we just became convinced that God was kind of preparing us in our heart to, to move. Um, and we were kind of open to it being anywhere. We knew where it would be harder for us. You know, the cost is, is higher. We, we, you know, same thing applies. We'll, we'll do whatever God's asking us to do and we'll go wherever you're asking us to go. Um, and into that, um, I, I sort of was, you know, we would consider abroad. Um, I, and, and one, we, we had this New Frontiers, we used to do prayer and fasting and gather the leaders of all the churches in the UK to pray and fast for a couple of days. And we were in Peterborough and we were praying for Europe. And I think, you know, just as kind of pick a country, really, um, pray for Europe. And I think just, you know, it's kind of that thing where I found myself praying for something for one place and that the, what was going on at the stage at the front seemed to be praying for something else. I think everyone sort of was praying for France. That's what I remember was someone had got up to the stage and everyone was kind of France, France. But I was absolutely broken praying for Sweden. I'd, I'd been an exchange student there like 15 years ago at university. Hadn't been back since, never thought about moving there, hadn't prayed for it, thought about it, visited it, wasn't particularly kind of on my radar at all. And there I was praying for Sweden, tears running down, <laughs> down my face. And suddenly I'm like, hmm, hmm, what's, what's going on? Um, so I went, I called my wife. She was seven months pregnant with our second child. She wasn't thinking about moving anywhere at all. Um, and I was like, I have this hunch that God is calling us to Sweden. And, um, uh, and you know, we just kind of pursued that. And the way I describe it to people is it's like when you drive through town and all the track, you come to a traffic light and you check and we were all on green. You know, we checked with other leaders yeah we we see something in you to go checked with people working in sweden oh we'd love to have you checked with you know you just do all the things that you need to just check that you're not kind of on some sort of harebrained idea and um and everyone was like this so we just kept pursuing it visited did all the all the research that we needed to do and we just ended up at a point in 2010 where it would have been, we just felt like it, it wasn't, should we go? It's like, we would be disobedient if we stayed. Mm. Um, and so we moved to Sweden in 2011. So we've been here 10 years now. Um, and the, the idea was always to plant in Stockholm. And we finally got to Stockholm after a little sort of pause to kind of recalibrate, get ourselves landed in Sweden, 2012. And that's when we began the journey of planting what is now Grace Church. So that's how we, that's kind of the short, shortish version of how we got here. 
very good so you i actually before we started recording we were talking about bringing through leaders and uh the need for more church leaders uh, and actually your little story there of how god met you powerfully uh, by his spirit in a big meeting to tell you to go and do something actually i think we forget that element of it sometimes <laughs> like a, a stupid thing to say but uh, the uh, the call of God in a quite a dramatic way actually is a pretty common story it would be mine as well I know plenty of people um, men and women who've been called uh, abroad and to plant in the UK um, so that's just a, a fascinating thing to say that it, it was a moment of God actually that got you moving um, which is wonderful so effectively you've been in um, Sweden for 10 years now nine years in Stockholm uh, you got there with a very young family Yes, yeah. there were kids um, were three and one when we moved to Sweden. Yes. Um, can they speak Swedish now? Yeah, they're, they're fluent. Um, they, they're, they're bilingual. Then, you know, kind of, it's, they switch. They sound Swedish when they speak Swedish and English when they speak English. Makes me very jealous. Yes. Um, they, they do great. And how's your Swedish? My Swedish is, is, is pretty good in the sense that I can do everything I need to do. I can be preaching it. And, um, and, but, I mean, my... My Englishness, Britishness betrays itself the moment I open my mouth. Everyone knows that I'm not, uh, I'm not sweet. I'm not Swedish. It's not a native speaker, and I, and I probably am a bit, you know, probably never really kind of finessed it, so that I probably still make grammatical mistakes um, through, you know, just the different sort of nuances and the, the things that you get to when you have to be when you sound native. And I don't, I don't sound native, but I would, I would say that I'm fluent, or at least I'm more or less you know to do the vast majority of life you know i, I don't have any problems with doing very that. good so your kids are full fluent and yeah. um yeah which is a good thing actually you want your so you that stockholm is home for your kids this is home yeah yeah this is home yeah yeah we uh england is a place we visit um it's a place where we we've got our, our roots if you yeah. like but it's not it's not home here is home and i think that's kind of I think when you move to plant, you have to have that kind of attitude that you're, you know, unless you already know that you, there's another stop, um, which we didn't and don't, um, is, well, this is where we are until God calls us to go anywhere, anywhere else. So we had that attitude. This is home now. Mm. And we're, we became citizens. We became dual citizens. So we're now sort of citizens of the UK and Sweden, um, right. slightly prompted by Brexit, but but also this is home yeah yeah i'm sure numbers of people in your position have done a very similar thing because of brexit so when you you what did you set out to do when you were dreaming about a church in stockholm what in your because we're going to get to where you're actually at to where you're yeah. up to sorry um what what did you and when you and emma were talking what was the dream yeah i mean i think it was it was quite simple in that we it was Stockholm, sweet capital of Sweden, so Sweden. So it was to to um, reach and to be a part of representing the gospel of Jesus Christ to Swedes, because that's who we thought lived in Sweden. <laughs> and uh, so, so with that was uh, an intention that that grace or the church would be um, at least two you know kind of dual language bilingual it was swedish and 
obviously we just knew because we were coming from from the UK that it would be you know English would be a part of it at least in the early days maybe we would switch but it would have you know Swedish would be kind of the prime thing um, and yeah just to just to to we wanted to kind of be humble enough to know we weren't you know the we weren't going to change things around or we didn't expect have that attitude of like yeah great everyone we're here um but just to play our part in 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 being committed to planting and reproducing ourselves and and being and bringing i think a combination of our values of word and spirit enjoying the presence of god but commitment to faithfulness to scripture that would 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 bring something to the table uh in swedish you know sort of free church christianity okay Great. Okay, so uh, you got there. You had quite a simple thing in mind. Sounds like most church planters, um, you kind of have an idea of what you want to do until you're actually you've got your feet on the ground, and then you're living life there. So think about the first um, the first five years or so. If you've been at it for ten years, your first five years, um, what what went well, what didn't go well. Um, so first five years is. Um, a lot you know a lot of stuff in our house out of our home kind of um and i think what we did first five years was we did well was we we began to build a community i mean we just began to expand um and accept and welcome in new people um i think one of the things that we've um uh, and so you know the, the community grew we found breaking through sort of consistently breaking through 40 became a bit of a barrier for us we would sort of bump up against it and then for a variety of reasons it would kind of go back to about 20 so we started with um seven adults and four kids that was our kind of our starting point mm. and we would kind of get up to a certain point and we wouldn't quite push through that and we'd come back down again and we'd get back up to it again and that and we sort of yo-yoed a bit between sort of 20 and 40 for a few years um, I think probably the one thing that we've consistently struggled with is to see people come all the way through, consistently coming through to faith, in the sense that we've had, we've we've consistently had conversations with unbelievers, been engaged in talking with them from a whole range of backgrounds, um, and a lot coming from different faith communities. So, but just helping people going from conversations about Christ to decisions for Christ has been that's that continues to be something which I think we've we we you know we just is difficult it's a challenge for us um and sometimes it's it's gifting sometimes it's consistency um just continuing to follow through sometimes it's just you know of the community of people kind of having care and caring for one another kind of takes over um and and sort of you know you kind of think oh I've, you you're spinning the plates and you think oh flipping heck I've, I've dropped the evangelism plate again mm-hmm. um and yeah you know, that's partly probably just a reflection of, of gifting um but that's the reality that's the reality of it and um, so i'd say that's probably you know we built community um but consistency across the whole sort of group in terms of consistent evangelism has been a, 
being present but not necessarily as fruitful i think as we would like so i can point to a group that's been called jesus club with people of buddhist muslims atheists consistently going all the time um but the number of people coming through to faith has actually been relatively small so maybe there's something we're not doing or quite been i don't know but it, that just hasn't really happened for us in a consistent way mm. I mean, you're in um, secular Western Europe and yep. Sweden probably been at the extreme end of secular. Yep. So it doesn't, from what I can understand, doesn't even quite have the history of Christianity that the UK has. Would that be fair? Um, it does have a long history of, um, of Christianity. Um, it's had state church, so a bit like the Church of England in the UK, but actually much, in one sense, much more ingrained into the into the system even more than it than it is in the UK. So it was state church for a long time, um, kind of non-free uh, church, if you like, much smaller. Um, and then 20th century, um, it has been, you know, it's secularized at a rapid rate. Mm -hmm. So the way I describe it to friends sort of back in the UK is this, uh, all of the, the elements are pretty similar so Sweden is, is a few notches further along the same scale. So the same sorts of things are present, the same sorts of features, but the, the, the kind of the church is smaller. The, the, the kind of secularism is, is great. You know, those things are further advanced, that sort of thing. And um, so, so, yeah, so, um, you know, it is a secular place. And we do, we've had accounts of people that just, you know, the knowledge, the, the kind of, cultural knowledge of christianity in a lot of ways has just gone um, but there are a few unique features here which means it could kind of you know there are opportunities here in different ways that there weren't in the uk so mm. so it, you would you gathered a good community bouncing between 20 and 40 um and uh the the evangelism mission element to you felt like that was the the difficult missing piece and i think your story there would be quite common in mm. a, especially um especially cross-culturally um to go abroad and um to work hard at mission but it to be a slow journey every missionary book he reads vicky always jokes the story is first five to ten years basically nothing happened and everything was awful then something happened yeah so um i wonder if you're you're in the early stages still although you there's lots of good stuff going on so um let's get to the second five years uh what something changed in your church and with you phil would that be fair mm. to say yeah yeah we've had um we've we've had a the last five years has seen um quite considerable change in a, in a bunch of ways um i would say so we got to a point uh, where we had sort of experimented with kind of being quite decentralized sort of missional communities, things going out of the houses and, and um, kind of trying to, trying to help people, equip people to live missionally where they were. And that meant a sort of a fairly decentralized approach to, to sort of church and how we were building. Um, but we got to a point where uh, some of those kind of groups folded, kind of folded back in and we found our home kind of, um, every week full we had sort of 35 40 people for you know, 35 people for lunch say on a sunday and mm. uh, our house and it was absolute you know it was fun but it was absolute chaos and it wasn't it wasn't sustainable at one point my wife just said this is this is bonkers 
um, you know, the, just the, the sheer level of noise and uh, for us was it just it reached its sort of maximum volume yeah. um, and just kind of hosting all of that for each each week was was getting a bit too much so we we moved out of that into a into a preschool and from a preschool into a kind of community center and from there into another church and we had a few quite nomadic um but each time we were picking up people we we're just like mostly through kind of it, and we'd become in this phase we became english speaking um, predominantly so we've got swedish speakers but they are often in a, in a kind of multicultural family setting so perhaps they're married to someone who's from an english-speaking country and so on and their level of fluency is very high very competent in english very very you know doesn't bother them to oh we're speaking english now it's no problem um and we just sort of had this sort of phase where swedish speakers for a variety of reasons moved moved on moved away moved somewhere else and in their place came people from india and america and uh, other other countries for whom they moved to Sweden perhaps for work and so even though if English wasn't their first language it was the language that they were going to be working in and using so they and they found us so we became so there was a there's one shift we became English speaking and we also became at that point you know much much more multicultural so we would be like sort of say we've grown to about 50 or 60 and we would have like 20 20 five different nationalities um so you know one in you know every third person's from a different country basically um and then and then that was so that was kind of we're beginning to shift kind of you know who we were so it wasn't a strategy it wasn't like a conscious strategy shift it was oh we're not quite you know you sort of look around the room and you go hmm we're, we're different now um what does that mean what do we do with that and um oh we're using english all the time oh, what do we do with what do we do with that um uh, and then just sort of and then so that was kind of we've broken through that sort of 40 we were growing we kind of you know gathering through bringing people into sunday sunday meetings and building community kind of through that becoming part of the sort of as an international church in in stockholm and people were finding us that way um and then I guess the next sort of big shift happened, began to happen in 2019. Um, do you want me to go into that? Yeah, no, tell yeah. me. So let, let's right. just, so you've gone from uh, trying to devolve yeah, uh, and then just find it comes back to you. Yeah. And that actually um, going after Sunday meetings yeah. uh, in a way seems to have been a big, I mean, you're, you're kind yeah. of forced into it. That seemed to be a big click yeah. moment for you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, de you know, we, we had a we had a, an approach that we tried and then through circumstance couldn't continue with that. Um, and that sort of, so then what do we do? Um, oh, we, we, you know, we, we, we're too big for our house. Where do we go? Um, and let's all, we can't quite, do, we can't quite break it up. People aren't either, they don't live near each other um, that was that's been a big demographic challenge for us is that people are not close mm -hmm. to one another and um, they found us through different ways but they don't live near each other um and so kind of building community in different places suddenly wasn't wasn't really an option um so we had we, we just found that circumstance pushed us towards a different approach um and then through kind of being a little bit more 
I guess, if you like, traditional church Sundays with home roots and stuff, that that suddenly was a place and that actually took us through the next the next sort of growth bit um, into sort of 50, 60. And with that came some other demographic changes of who was coming to us and, and where they were coming from. Um, so, so this is 2019, there's about 50 or 60 of you, you think? Yep. yep. And do you have a leadership team at this moment? Yeah, yeah. I mean, nothing. We haven't we haven't formalised it. Um, um, I was, you know, got we've got a group of people who are kind of lots of when you're kind of small, lots of things happen ad hoc and informally, mm-hmm. um, and lots of decisions and processes can happen kind of ad hoc and informally. You can have a chat with some people that you've trusted for a while and just say, "What do you think about this?" and "What should we do?" and you can kind of almost have those sort of chats on the side as you're walking out from church and solve it and no one really minds nor cares you know it's yeah oh that's that's fine and um as you get a little bit bigger you need to kind of have a little bit more clarity around that some of those things uh, and i i think in 2019 we still had fairly you know we had a group there was a group of people who i talked to you know guys who were involved and committed and, and I knew who they were and other, so we just have those sort of chats and conversations in a bit more structured but still fairly informal kind of way um, and then and then things overtook us again <laughs> so what happened um, so so yeah so we're in the, we're, we're renting a space in the center of the city off um, off another church and we're kind of you know the, the capacity of the room is about about 70 or so and we're about sort of 50 60 you know not everyone comes every week and all that sort of thing um and then what we a guy comes to uh, a guy is invited to church through through um an american lady who's was with us at the time they were doing they were studying swedish together so they're doing swedish language course and she's and sort of get talking about what did you do at the weekend she went to church and you know oh i'm a christian too from africa do you want to come church so he comes to church and he checks it out and um quite quite likes it um uh and uh, but then he's he, you know his conversation says oh uh, you know my wife's expecting and i probably won't be around for the next couple of months and, and and true enough we don't see him for a couple of months this is around sort of may june 2019 and when you don't when someone comes once or twice and then you don't see them for a couple of months you just kind of think oh well that's yeah that's it they're probably not not coming back and yep. you don't really think much more of it you kind of you know you follow up and say oh hi you know how's it going and they say oh, yeah you know kind of nothing you know but you, if people don't come what can you do so really? but then he comes with his family and his new um, newborn baby girl and um and so he comes and he comes back and and um and then brings the next week he, he brings some other family members and then, and so this is kind of now sort of August, September, sort of to August 2019. So just a couple of months later, he starts coming and starts bringing people. Um, okay, great, fine. Next week, you know, there's a few more of them. Uh, and then the, the week after, there's a few, there's a few more still. And they're, they're from Congo. They're, they're, they are refugees who've been resettled here through United Nations program with the Swedish government and have been resettled here in Sweden. And they they are they've all lived in, in refugee camps in places like Burundi, Rwanda, Tanzania, Malawi, that part of thing as they fled the violence of Congo. Congo is an absolute 
basket case uh, of a country, um, particularly in the eastern part, very unsettled, um, lots of rebel groups, not safe at all. Mm. And so these are some of the poorest people um, uh, on the planet. Um, and they've been, they've, they've, you know, they've, they've got a, they've a lottery ticket. Some of them have, have been refugees for decades in, in camps, just kind of that's their life. And then suddenly they've been through this government program they're, they're told you can move to Sweden, you know, and, and within a week or two, they're on a plane and they're, they're finding themselves from the middle of Africa to, mm. to Sweden. And so, yeah, one Sunday in around September 2019, I, 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 I kind of come into the service and I see there's about 30 African people and I speak to a few of them. Like first, I I, know, I I sort of greet them in Swedish because you don't know necessarily who they are, and they don't they, they obviously don't understand me, and it's not because of my Swedish. No. <laughs> they, don't, they don't they don't they don't speak it. I speak to them in English, and then uh, they still don't get it. And, and I'm like, oh my goodness, what's going on here? Yeah. Uh, and so I see my friend Gilbert, who's this guy who's been bringing all these people, and I just say, okay, none of these none of these people understand what's what's about to go on. Um, do they? And they're like, and he's like, no, but I brought them. And they, they, they said, they basically said, if you found a church you like, then we'll go to that church. And so they, they followed him. So I said, right. And I kind of half my sermon in about 10 seconds mm-hmm. said, right, you get up the front and you're going to translate for me. Um, and so hoiked him up the front, you translate. Cause he could, he had pretty good English. Yeah. Um, and and so, and then we were like busting out of the the room now. So we we're kind of like you know we're over the room's capacity, mm. and we've got this group that's sizable enough to go, uh, and who don't speak English or Swedish. You know, like, what do we do? Mm. So we quickly, and and the the interesting kind of one of the things that threw a bit of a dilemma was like in the kind of church culture new frontiers that I've sort of been grown up to leadership is relationship and trust are kind of high values mm-hmm. and you kind of take your time with these new things to make sure that people really get who you are and understand your values and your approach and you just kind of got those connections and I'd known this guy for what like two months and he hadn't been there a huge amount so I actually didn't feel like I knew him mm. super super well but I just like well let's just let's you know these guys need a place to worship Jesus. They need a place to, you know, and if that's through us, then let's just, so we, we kind of created an extra service. So, so suddenly we were like, you know, in this uh, sort of sick room of 60 and then suddenly we had the English service and then we had a Swahili service just out of the blue. And then within a, within a month, they were kind of filling it up and we were filling ours up. So we had another venue move and uh, um, and then so we're getting into the back end of 2019, and we were just so so they they sort of grew to about a hundred. Yeah. So like, whoa, we've got so uh, hundred Swahili speaking people from the Congo. Yep. Yep. Men, women, men, women, and children. Um, and and then sort of you know we're just kind of uh, we're we're figuring out this new configuration in a new venue. 
um and when we're all together suddenly we're kind of like 120 or something and this is like new for everyone we're like whoa where did all these people come from and we're doing lunches and it's you know trying to cross culture and and, and we can't speak to everyone who's new because language barriers are there and kids work is happening through like a chinese whispers system yeah. someone speaks english who translates it into swedish to someone who can speak swahili and it's just it's just mental you know it doesn't um, let, let me ask you a couple of questions because you said yeah. very interesting things so are the yeah when you're talking about um kind of church backgrounds relationship and trust are highly yeah. important and when you were saying that i was thinking it's interesting that values shift when you're on the front line right and as as genuine mission and kingdom of god opportunities come at you you'd suddenly find yourself questioning or you suddenly find yourself having to operate outside of your values would that be fair yeah we're certainly operating in a way you know sort of pushed up to make a decision well, what we could either just said look we we just can't do it yeah we can't help you you know you need something different so you should go and look for somewhere else like that's an option we could just say that just feels like but that just felt to me and i'd i'd, I'd been an aid worker previously in my life in burundi mm. and i've been to congo and i've been to some of the places where these guys were from so i had had like a personal sort of personal part of my own story was linked to the part of the world where these guys were from which was to me was like i wonder that doesn't well, maybe it's a coincidence, but it didn't feel like it particularly. But I yeah. just felt like this is that would be an inhospitable, it's, it's a totally reasonable response, but it felt like an inhospitable one. It didn't feel like a generous response. It didn't feel like the right thing to do was just to say, we can't help you, you should go elsewhere. It would have been um, quite a, a Western cold culture response, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. To a yeah. very warm culture people. And, and we, yeah, we just would have, and I don't think they'd have understood it really. It, was, it just felt like a door being sort of slammed in their face. And, you know, and after bumping between 20 and 40 for five years, yeah. if if 40 people turn up, you're going to, you're a church planner, right? You, uh, this is what you want to happen. Yeah, yeah. So I can imagine every sinew within you was, was thinking, this has got to work somehow, right? Yeah. I mean, I think we, I think we're, Certainly in that, those sort of early days, we were like, well, this could go a few ways. You know, we could, you know, we can help them and maybe, you know, the differences that we discover mean that we're just basically helping a church, you know, kind of immigrant church get going and, and then they'll do their own thing. And we won't actually, we won't have that sense of together and, and you know you know lord bless you we've helped you get up and running you know you, you go for it um that's that would that that could have, that could have happened um what we found was is that actually as we began to kind of build those friendships which were kind of happening at a different speed to the events that were happening on a sunday yeah. you know that was kind of we were finding that we had got like a heart connection and that people were wanting they were wanting to build with us and they wanting to do it and overcome the differences and learn through the, you know, we do it this way, you do it that way and let's learn together. And, um, and, and they were, and they were going, Sweden is our home. We were looking, this is where we've been put, you know, and so we want to kind of have that um, connection. Um, so, so yeah, so, so yeah, the, the events of Sundays over kind of pushed us to, to take some risks that felt out of our comfort zone, 
we went for it and it's paying off and it's paid off in the sense of the relationships have caught up and the friendships have caught up behind those events um but it's still so, kind of pushing us so in the in that moment so there must have been a, a few months when you realized what this is what's happening and uh you it, it's an instant change for your church over, yeah. overnight yeah, yeah. Um, and i remember years ago being part of a church where they went from having hardly any students in the mm. English church, hardly any English yeah. students, to suddenly, like literally within two weeks, having 40. And because yeah. that wow. just, it just happened. And they found that a difficult thing. It took them a, a year or two really to find their stride in it, or we did as a church, and to accept this new group of people who had a slightly different way of approaching the world because they were 18, not in their 20s and 30s. So I'd imagine what you went through, it sounds like I'm uh, like that turned up to 10. Um, yeah. So was your church, like the, the, the church that were there before, was it a joyful thing for them? Was it a, was it, did you lose people? Just, what was the, what was the transition like for all of you? Yeah, no, we didn't, we didn't lose anyone as a result of that. Um, I, I mean, it was, it was pretty chaotic for a few months. We started to do what we called one big Sunday. So they had their own, they had a Swahili service. That just seemed to be the best way of helping them at that particular stage where they were at and we would continue to have an English service. So we kind of had two so two language separated services back to back. In between we'd have this sort of fika coffee time where people, fika is like coffee in Swedish, cake, and we'd have that kind of refreshments and the two things would overlap and we'd have lunch sometimes in the middle. And, and you know, so people would begin to see each other even if they couldn't always communicate with each other. Did you go to both together. services? Did you go to both services? Yeah, I, I would. Yeah. So I, I was always present at, at both. Um, as Did you much preach as, in as much both? I could be. Um, I, I would, yeah, for a while, um, and be translated and uh, just kind of, you know, partly, you know, I kept saying to them, you know, if you want to just do it, and they were like, no, no, you're the, you're the pastor, you know, you come, oh, I'm all right. Uh, so that was, that's um, my next question. They, you yeah. were their pastor, they saw you as their pastor. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. Um, I suddenly found myself totally unexpectedly <laughs> being called the senior pastor of an African church, um, and and that that was that was not. I I don't think you, anyone could have told me that even even in like early two thousand and nineteen that you know within a few months you're going to people are going to say you're the pastor of an african church and i'm like what are you talking about yeah. i would just i would just have been like i just have i just have laughed because you're a very white you're a very, white, kid. You're a very white, white kid from a white town and a white council yeah. like on that yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 and 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 i also like you know i wouldn't it you know they've got they've got leadership okay so i'm not yeah. I'm yeah, not yeah. functioning like I don't want to kind of also just be like you know just be I'm very I'm super I'm much more conscious of the whiteness of my skin than they are yeah in terms of serving them yeah. I'm very conscious of it they don't particularly care uh, which is interesting um uh, yeah. and we're just getting on with it now but they've got leadership and, and that was that was the thing that's important to me of course is that we're building with guys who, who are able to lead men i imagine they're just happy so. to be in sweden right they're not 
they're, they're not worried about warlords. No, no, I mean, life is poverty. Yeah, I mean, life is life has changed massively for them. And there are all sorts of challenges in terms of integration and adapting to the new country. But, you know, none, none of them want to go. None of them want to go back. Um, you know, um, they're in a country that works and their kids have got futures. Uh, and that's a that's a massive, massive thing. Um, so so yeah so so we had yeah it was a was a big shift the church adapted really well i mean obviously some of them were just like what's going on and you're like well we've got this group that's happening <laughs> and it's like um we had these things called one big sunday so that's what i was yeah. going to say so towards yeah. the end of 2019 where we'd all worship together we had a bit of kind of european western american sort of worship and then we'd have some african pentecostal kind of worship and we'd all try and and we'd and we'd all be together and it was it was totally, totally kind of chaos and lots of fun. And we were all together and then COVID happens. Yeah. And so suddenly that's a, that's another, and then there's a year of disruption. Yeah. There's a big disruption for them. Small groups not being kind of Sunday being very central to their, what their experience of doing church. And suddenly that's, that's closed to them. Yeah. Um, but they continue to grow. So I would say, so we've just done, um, we're working on trying to start, you know, think through how we can do an integration project to help these guys adapt to their new circumstances. There's lots of cultural things which we want that which they don't really get told. They just have to figure out for themselves. So yeah. we're looking at a project how we can help them. And as a part, we sort of did a count up. And so in the church part, there is around about 230 now men, women, children. Um, and then I was a part of that sort of extended community that we have some sort of contact with. It's knocking on 400. So this 230 men, women and children from the Congo. Yes. <laughs> wow. OK. And so you're one big Sunday now. Have you got back to doing that? No, uh, not yet. Um, we restarted. Um, uh, sort of in-person meetings in August of this year after we had a few sort of starts and stops because covid you know and all this yeah, sort yeah. of um rule, rules sweden you know were, had restrictions without lockdown so we had restrictions that meant we couldn't have more than 30. yeah um, we experimented with multiple meetings at one point right now we're back we're back to unrestricted but we've had another venue change Right. Um, because the previous one when we had a one big Sundays was part of it was a facility underneath and a senior citizens kind of care home and so that's just close to us we can't go there mm. um, at all so we're now in a hotel in the city center um, which has got a capacity of about 100 um, so we're just looking and we're just kind of with like two or three months back in so we're just kind of getting in back into our swing of things for everybody re-establishing hey you know churches you once experienced it is now kind of back as it as it was and yeah. um so we we i think probably next year we'll have a fresh look at kind of our one big sundays and what that looks like um but but they suddenly we're like actually we just need a considerably bigger venue than we expected you know we're probably looking at trying to find a place for one sunday a, a quarter term of that, that will take about I don't know, three or four hundred, which mm -hmm. is again is a is a the number 
particularly because of the number of kids that is, you know, probably 50% of our church is probably under 18, which is a, which is another, when you, when you include our international group, which is now numbering about 90. Right. With kids. With kids and our, and our African group, which is numbering sort of 200-ish with kids. Yeah. 50% are under the age of 18 in, in that. Um, so, you know, it's just like, you know, the num, you know, just finding, paying for, you know, all of that is just a bit of a, bit of a mind bender really. Yeah. Um, and a stretch, but we'll, we'll figure it out. I mean, there's a, there, I think there's an appetite for it. Um, and our next sort of, I think the next, but the next big thing for us is to establish we've got now we've now got what's called our, our Swahili expression of Grace Church is the name of our church mm. we have our international English speaking <coughs> people from all over the world lots of South Africans at the moment have, have found us and um, so is to add a Swedish expression of Grace yeah. Church which is kind of going back to the point of which we got here we came here for in the first in the first place um and we're just beginning that process we've got about 20 we we probably have about 30 or so from across the groups who are kind of swedish speakers or first language swedish speakers or confident in swedish so we're just looking what does that look like for us to Mm. begin to create space in our church kind Mm. of landscape for swedish expression and, and and start that next year and we'll kind of and I think that's going to be pretty strategic for us because increasingly our Swahili church, the kids are at Swedish schools, they're learning Swedish. So they're, they're, although they're, their Swedish isn't great right now, it will be. And increasingly they're going to find themselves occupying a different space culturally as well, where they're no longer, you know, Africa. Africa is at home, but Sweden is everywhere else. Mm. And so positioning ourselves to have to be able to kind of serve the Swahili speaking congregation as they adapt and as they integrate having a Swedish expression for them as much as the you know the mission of the rest of the city you know it's it's, it's really this is time for us to, to put that in place and so that's what we're working on at the moment and 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 with that a whole load of sort of internal infrastructure stuff which we're like creaking at the seams i think you are yeah i mean that's absolutely fascinating um it's so interesting the journey that god takes us on church planners often to having something in mind and end up with something completely different that would be true for us in manchester and loads of other planters i know yours is quite an extreme case study of that <laughs> i would yeah I would, yeah so um yeah, so I was going to ask, I mean, you've kind of answered the question already that you've got some vision for another service, go yeah. after the Swedish speakers. Hmm. Uh, in terms of your structural stuff, how are you going to organise your leadership of uh, of this church? What, what's your, because uh, as New Frontiers pastors, we have a, a long history of appointing elders and all that yeah. sort of thing. And, um, uh, and yeah. in, in the UK, in a UK church, that's a relatively... We make it much more complicated than it is. It's a relatively simple thing. Your context is a bit different, Phil. How are you going to do it? I wish I knew. <laughs> I wish I, I wish I knew. No, I mean, in one sense, we're, you know, there's, 
sometimes the things that can happen at so continuing leadership development and, and helping our our, our Swahili friends to kind of get where we are at. You know, we've got to work through where have you come from, what have you understood, how's leadership worked, what does it look like, um, what does it what does it mean? You know, elders and deacons, different terms, pastors. You know, kind of they they use you know pastors, senior pastors, different kind of structures and things, and and we're going wow, that's not quite what we so. And then the conversation to kind of go back to the Bible and to look at it and to to build up your first principles. Those conversations are still happening multilingually, mm. so they're they're very very slow. Um, I mean, it's you know it's it you know I can come out of a four five hour meeting and think what on earth have we we haven't talked about anything. But it's take it's a bit like there's a scene in Lord of the Rings where you've got the the Ents yes. and they have this it says it takes a very long time to say anything yes and it just takes us forever to sort of say hello and get through greetings and kind of you know get clear the clear the decks to talk about something it just takes so long um because you know i'm saying it it's being translated someone's thinking about it they're saying it it's being translated back so i understand what they're saying you've got to clarify a few things just which just takes forever um there's um there's interesting cultural things for us Brits, yeah. uh, middle class white Brits like mm. ourselves, um, of uh, kind of agenda driven meetings, success mm. culture, um, kind of practical outcomes, action points, mm. uh, all of that sort of stuff that mm. I, we, you know, in my meetings, I just do, it. I have them. I make sure yeah. when people leave the meeting, I remind them, so you've agreed to do these things. Yeah, mm. yeah, of course, no worries. Yeah, and I've agreed to do these things. Yeah, great. We'll come back to them next. And that is how church life even the understanding of how we work out theology a little bit our <laughs> elders meetings will have a an hour conversation about a, a thing that we're thinking about it's relatively simple um at the moment whereas you you are existing in a different plane <laughs> yeah yeah no that doesn't really that doesn't really work in one sense i mean it, it does in some senses you know they they ident you know they're great they identify something means doing and they'll they'll yeah. get it they'll get it done um but in terms of the how the meetings operate yeah. and particularly when we're trying to if we're trying to dig down into un the kind of base understanding of how something operates you know like why do you do worship the way that you do that and why does why do you think communion has to be done by you know so, so take that's a good example you know, my question there is, what, why do you think communion has to be done by me? And their experiences of the senior pastor coming in, it's quite, in one sense, it's quite Episcopal. It's quite, yeah. you know, you know, they even in a in their sort of Pentecostal context, it's the senior bishop or pastor that comes in and is the only one that seems to have authority to to kind of then commission people to go and serve bread and wine. Uh, and I'm like, well, that's different. Um, uh, and so, you know, we have to spend some time figuring that out because I'm going, well, I'm not sure that's kind of what we're doing, what we, our value of how we're doing things and leadership works here. And so, yeah, let's so, talk about that. Are, are they going to have to change or are you going to change? Well, in your head, you think that it's, that's the, the um, difficult thing, isn't it? That's the cross-cultural mission in a nutshell, isn't it? Do, yeah. I, I'm, you know, you're joining us, so you've got to change or we're going to sure. change you. Um, I mean, I think, I think you have to kind of have, 
a little bit more open than that and just say we all have to be prepared to change um, um let's let's try and work through the principles let's read the scriptures and and go what do we see and then are we see, you know are you see what do we see and are we seeing it differently what are we where are the things we information that we've got to collect what's relevant here and then what do we think that that based on this this and this do you think we should do and we have to come to that fresh i think we should do it like this mm. and and work that work that through and i think us to everyone be a bit more open to adjusting some things you know you have to work out you know if is this something is this issue a, a line in the sand for us you know this is a first principle i'm not particularly prepared to compromise on that but there is lots of other areas perhaps of church life worship being a big one you know where we you know where suddenly there are there are choirs um doing different things um and the the the, the energy is is very different and the um kind of in dancing and the, the you know, is very different um and so you go okay hold on you know i don't know if you necessarily need to change yeah we we might so i think you know different areas different things but i think we all have to have that approach of and then also what's context you know what where what is what is the context of where we're at what's appropriate for this service you know there might be some principles that we want across the church and then there are other things where we have freedom in practice. So again, music will look different in this service to this service, and we're not trying to make them the same, but leadership or approach to the Bible will look the same. We want it to look the same throughout, even if the illustrations are gonna be different, for example. Very good. Well, Phil, we've talked for nearly an hour and I suspect well, we could go for another hour. So, yeah. um, sorry. Uh, no, no, don't apologize at all. It, your story is an absolutely fascinating story of, I'm just thinking of you in on your knees in Peterborough, um, crying for Sweden, and yeah. actually a moment of God there. And then throughout this story, actually being able to see um, moments of God, kind of shifting your yeah. perspective. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. France is on the stage, but Sweden's in your heart, and yeah. and then you find yourself in each point trying things, and then God shifting you to a different yeah. point. Um, but everything on the way seems to be taking you to a place. So, I mean, I'm absolutely fascinated by your next five years. And I'm a yeah. keen, keen observer of, of the Whittle family. I'm just running to keep up, mate. I'm just running to keep up. <laughs> well, I think there's, there is something in it. I think we talk, you know, we see a lot of church planters um, go abroad to plant. And I think coming back to them in five, ten years time, and seeing a seeing a journey because we whenever we plant um, or we start leading a church or take over a church we undoubtedly have an idea of where we would like to end up you know we might not even say it in public we might have a number of people in mind or a, an impact or a community um, and almost inevitably it's a bit different or a lot different yeah. um, and so looking back on that seeing your story and seeing what God has done uh, each moment I, I think is um, I think it's astounding really so be interesting to see what happens next well we will we will draw it to a close there phil thanks very much for your time thank you thanks for having me no no problem at all and uh yeah check out the broadcast website got loads of training courses on there um for cross-cultural mission as well which andy mcculloch and the unreached network uh do and on church planning so that's the broadcast network 
Org, I think is the website. Um, clearly, I'm very well prepped as a podcasting host because I can't remember our web address. But nonetheless, thank you very much for your time. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>